Good morning. Thank you guys for having my wife and I. We're so encouraged to be a part of uh, your service this morning, and thank you for the opportunity to be here. Uh, as uh, yeah, we're really encouraged just to have this opportunity. This morning we're going to be in Genesis, and uh, we'll be in one through three, and that is a huge chunk of scripture. And I know I uh, are the. The title of this is Our Need from the Beginning, and we're going to be pulling out key parts of Genesis 1-3 through 3 that point to our need for the Lord, and specifically in 1-2. through 2, My plan is to talk through 1-2 through 2 and pull out need, our need, as well as uh, talk through three key attributes of the Lord and talking through what God needs and connecting it to Genesis 1-2 two, and 2. And finally, we're going to connect it back to us. And then at the end, I'll end in Genesis 3, the ultimate need in our lives. So right from now, I'm just going to connect and pray, and then we'll get into Genesis 1. Lord, thanks so much for the opportunity to be here. I pray you just give me wisdom as we talk through uh, key key parts of Scripture, comes to our need and our need for you. We're so thankful. Thank you for all you've done. Genesis 1, I know you guys are pretty familiar with uh, that uh, chunk of scripture. God creating all of everything you see, animals, humans, light, darkness, land masses, all in six-day period with a seventh day of rest. Genesis 1 is the just the idea of what it, what it was each day through day 6. Turn with me, if you will, to Genesis 1. We'll be reading 26 through 31, which is the in-depth picture uh, in Genesis 1 of God creating humans. God creating us. Verse 26, chapter 1 through 31. God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, fill the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed which is on the face of all the earth every tree uh, whose fruit yields seeds to you it shall be for food also for every beast of the earth to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life I have given every green herb for food and it was so then God saw everything that he made And indeed, it was very good. 
So the evening and morning were the sixth day. I want to start out with just saying Genesis is probably one of my favorite books. And I love the idea of having a creation account. And I believe that if you don't get Genesis 1 through 12 correct, and you don't believe that, then I really believe you're going to have a really hard time understanding the rest of the Bible. And I just, like I said, Genesis is definitely such an encouragement. In this chunk of scripture we just read, 26 through 31, we see that God gave jobs to mankind. There was a a job there. Uh, We have need, God provides. God created humans, male and female, and immediately gives them something to do, a job. And that was to take charge over the earth for food, it was good for them, the food that he was giving them. He explains exactly what they needed and explains even what to eat. Creation, it proves that creation has need. They needed someone to subdue and rule over creation. All of the animals needed someone to rule over them. God provided for that need by, cre- by in one way, creating Mankind was given a job to fulfill and subdue the earth, and he didn't leave them high and dry to figure out anything. Like I said, he, he even gave them what to eat, what parts of the food to eat, what you can, what you shouldn't eat. Creation was new. Humans were new. It would have been inappropriate for the Lord to just leave them high and dry after creating them. In verse 29, like I said, he gives animals what they can eat and what was good for them to eat. Provision and need was in all of creation. God providing for those needs, even in the first chapter of Genesis, the creation account. He gave them everything they needed for survival. Genesis 2 is an in-depth picture of what we just read, day 6. We're going to read 15 to 18, and those are just specific parts of what happened when they went into the Garden of Eden. 15 to 18. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden and tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you you will eat of it, you surely will die. And the Lord God said it was not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper parable to him. Need, right? Even God didn't have to be told what Adam needed. In this chunk of scripture, he, it provides even what not to eat. He provides them, again, with clearer understanding of what you can do and what you cannot do. 
I just, it's so encouraging for me to know that in the newness of creation, God did not leave them trying to figure out how to do life. He provided even a helpmate. He didn't have to be told that Adam needed something. He knew and he provided. Our need for the Lord seems like it's pretty great in this chunk of Scripture. And uh, I would even say that the direction of what to not eat is even providing for a need. In summary of this chunk of little bit of text that we read, all creation is in need of God. Just in this passage alone, we see that from the beginning, we need others. We were not built to do this alone. Adam needed a helpmate suitable for him. Every other animal God created had a helpmate, had someone, but Adam didn't, and God provided If you look at this chunk of scripture, it even provides a need for rest. God using a full day of scripture at the beginning of chapter 2 for a need for rest. You think God needed rest? I would lean towards no. I think that I really believe that is a provision that God has allowed for rest. Rest in him. Um, Looking back to that. Bigger picture is we need God to provide for everything, including the food we eat, what not to eat, what to eat. All of those things are ways God has provided for need for us in our lives. He even gives us worth in our work, providing jobs for us to do from the beginning. We are not built to not do things. Our our need is for work. Work isn't always bad. And with God creating everything, without God creating anything, there'd be nothing. We really need God for every aspect of what we see. But what about God? And I know you probably, I would assume you know the answer to this, but what about God? What does he need? Is there something that he actually needs? We're going to connect all of Genesis 1 through two and the idea of our need uh, and what God needs with three key attributes of God. And we're going to define them. I'm going to define them. I'm going to talk about them as it pertains to us. And we're really going to connect. Does God need anything? Those three attributes are omnipotent, omniscience, and omnipresent. So the definitions of those. So let's talk through omnipotent. All-powerful. This means that when God wants to do something, He has the ability to do it. He can execute what He wants with precision and power without any problem. Genesis 1 is a great example. He said, let there be light and there was light. And fun fact, that was before He even created the sun. He doesn't need the sun to create light. He just says it and it happens. That is an omnipotent God that we serve. All powerful. Jeremiah 32, 17. I'll just read it. 
says, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth, and by your great power and outstretched arms, there is nothing too hard for you. What about omniscience? It means all-knowing. God knew what Adam needed. We talked about that. He didn't have to be told, well, Adam needs this. No, he knew, and he provided. Adam knew, God knew Adam needed to help mate. He provided in his need by creating Eve. And he didn't have to be told, like I said. He, uh, in creation, he knew what to create, when to create it, how to create it, what order. All of those things are in perfect order. And there was nothing that he needed to be told in, the, in regards to creation. Creation happened perfectly. In, in the very order that it needed to happen. Do I understand how he can make light prior to making the sun? No, I don't have to understand because he knew. All-knowing God, Isaiah 46, 9-10 says, Remember the formal things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. God knew everything. He knows everything. He doesn't have to be told anything. What about omnipresent? Probably understand what that means. Probably been told this. All, always present. God was there from the beginning. Genesis 1, before the world, God was, the world was empty and there was nothing, God was there. He was over the deep with the Spirit. There's no place that you can go where God's not. Even the darkest places you cannot hide. But what's crazy is I cannot hide from God. At the same time, you cannot hide from God. God is everywhere all at once. What's also crazy is when he created the world, he was here right now. Do I have to understand that? No, I just have to understand that God is that. God can do that. Psalms 139, 7-12, Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into the heaven, you are there. If I can go, if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there you, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light ab about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day and the darkness and the light are both alike to you. So these characteristics of God actually work with each other. We don't, again, we don't have to understand them. We just have to know these are who God is. So that means that uh, God knew the need when he, was, when he was creating things. He knew what order to create them. And all while being in all places at once, in every second of every day, in all periods of time, he created the world, but again, was here right now. He knew all of those things from the beginning. 
What about going back to now that we define them? What about uh, all powerful, omnipotent? I don't know if you like movies about superheroes. I don't know if you grew up. I know that when I grew up, I loved acting as though I was all powerful and I used to hang out with my friends and we would just act as though we had these powers that we didn't have and we would just, I, I'm stronger than you, I'm stronger than you. And we just beat each other up, right? All of those things happened. I don't know about you, but I really enjoy feeling as though I am more powerful than other people. But sometimes we want so much power that we think we actually are all-powerful. It's almost like we want to be God, which we'll get to eventually. Think of the Titanic. Very interesting. When the Titanic was made, people were claiming it was unsinkable. The captain of the Titanic actually came out, Edward Smith. I cannot, this is, him, this is a quote from him. I cannot imagine any condition which, which would cause this ship to founder. I cannot conceive of any vital disaster happening to this vessel. Modern shipbuilding has gone beyond that. They put their faith and hope in the strength of a ship they created and doubled down on their faith in the unsinkable ship, the Titanic, to the point where they only put 20 of the 32 life vests needed if it did sink. We know this story, right? Unfortunately, the Titanic did not slow down the evening of April 14, 1912, even though they were told by many other ships around them, slow down, stop for the night, it's too icy. They kept going. Nothing was going to stop them because it was unsinkable. When we look at history and we see this unsinkable ship ran into an iceberg around 11.40 p.m., 1912. And when the New York office of the White Star Line who created the ship was informed that the Titanic was in trouble, they came out with a announcement. Vice President P.A.S. Franklin announced, we place absolute confidence in the Titanic. We believe this boat is unsinkable. And it is sad to say the Titanic did indeed sink that night, killing many of passengers and crew. Sometimes we can convince ourselves of what we created or even convince ourselves that we are so powerful that it gives us a false sense of omniscience. And in essence as if we don't need God, and that we are God. What about, that was uh, omnipotence, not omniscience, sorry. What about omniscience, all-knowing? I don't know about you, but I really like having a calendar. I really like knowing what's going on tomorrow. I want to make sure that I know exactly what's going on. Uh, maybe you guys can relate to the idea of it could stress people out whether or not you don't know what's happening tomorrow. Maybe you can relate, but we also, interesting, we have the internet. When we, we are able to Google anything we want to know right now and have the ability to, that, to not even figure it out because Google's already figured it out. All we have to do is Google. Google, YouTube, WebMD, weather apps, news apps, your phone, no matter how old you are. After COVID, I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone 
has a phone that can do FaceTime. So at some capacity, we are, we feel like we're all knowing. You wake up with a headache, Google, WebMD says, brain cancer, right? Like, WebMD is great, but sometimes can convince you of things that really aren't true. But again, we have this ability to know everything at our fingertips. What about, see, you see, this is, gives us a false hope of our human ability to know everything. What about until we don't? What happens when the internet's out? What happens when your car's broken and you can't YouTube it? So how do you fix it? Thought you knew everything. See, the reality is from the beginning of creation, we needed an omnipotent God that created all things. But we can convince ourselves otherwise. And it's really easy in this culture. Omnipresent, always present. Again, all of these apps, these things that you may or may not use, online shopping. But omnipresent is really interesting because after COVID, schools were closed, you couldn't go to work. It was as if you were already at work or already in school from the, your office or in your room or at your house. You didn't need to go anywhere. It's as if you were there. And these things are great, but here's the thing. All of these things give us a false sense of omnipresent to the point where we think we literally can be anywhere at any time. And in essence, because of our culture and technology, we can to an extent. My, uh, my uncle, uh, it's actually Kelly's uncle, but he's one of my favorite people. He was buying an RV and he was wanting to show me this RV. Well, he went online, connected his phone to the TV and he has all these cameras. There's these cameras set up and they're all set up in, the, in like the RV. If you've been online, you've probably seen it where they have cameras in every section. You just click a button and the camera moves. You can move your screen around and see the whole RV. It was as if we were inside of a huge lot looking at the RV, but we were in his house. We were in his living room watching it on TV. He showed me every part of that RV as if I was there, and I have yet to see it at that point. He was so excited to show me, but this is the false sense of omnipresence that we live in. We can literally be inside of an RV park where there's tons of new RVs, looking in them and seeing every aspect of it without even being there. And again, Teams, all the different Zooms, if you're during COVID, you could not go anywhere, but you could. It's really crazy because these technologies are great and they are being used for God's kingdom, but these false realities can make us feel as though we don't need God because we think we can be anywhere at any point. But the, and the potentially reality is the power to even control our fate because we know all things. I can tell you right now that uh, when we go to Mexico, my, Kelly and I, were Ethnos 360 missionaries to Mexico. And when we're in Chihuahua, Mexico, I could use apps to know exactly what's going on. But here's the crazy part. Something's happening, whatever it is. Unsafe for any capacity. Can I really do anything about it? No, but I, I know. 
You see, this proves that even though I can know all of the things happening in Mexico, I still need an omnipotent God to be in control of all of those things in my life. But again, these false realities that we believe we are in convince ourselves that we don't need God or that we are God. It's really hard to be God. It is very hard to be God. The reality is, it doesn't surprise me people are stressed out, depressed. You name it. You name the physical problem you're dealing with. Some of it probably goes back to this idea that we were not meant to be all present. We were not meant to feel like we were the most powerful. Because again, it's impossible but hard to be God. Mix that with any other thing going on in your life, a death in the family, sickness. Of course people are stressed out, depressed. It's difficult. You ever been texted by someone and then they expect an immediate response even though they're an hour away? I don't know, maybe that's a, yeah, I don't know if that's, you feel that weight, but that can be unrealistic, but that's the reality we live in. Let's look, if you're not convinced, uh, yeah, if you're not convinced yet that we are in need of a God that actually can be all of those attributes at once and actually fulfill them, or if you're convinced, not convinced yet that we are in need or that God actually needs something, let's look at Genesis 3. Genesis 3 is, uh, as you well know, is the fall of mankind and we're going to read 1 through 7 and then 14 and 15. And the, Genesis 3 is really a key chunk of Scripture because this really proves uh, our need for the Lord, our, rea uh, our reality of how much we need God. So Genesis 3, 1 through 7, and then I will quickly read 14 to 15. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God has made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but in the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. When the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die, for God knows that in the day you eat of, of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and was pleasant to the eyes, and was desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. She gave to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. We can keep reading. God then comes down and, and asks questions to Adam and Eve. 
trying to figure out, doesn't, again, he doesn't have to ask questions. He chooses to ask questions. He knows. Where are you? Why are you hiding? Did you eat of the fruit? All of those questions are asked. And eventually we get to the consequences for what just happened. This is the sin that entered the world, entered humanity. The consequences for the serpent are really, really, really crucial and I think are, yeah, just crazy and such a merciful point in the, from the Lord. So 14 and 15. 14 and 15. So the Lord said, Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed from all cattle and from every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust and the days of your life, all that is your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. I read both those chunks of scripture to point out three different things. And I could pull out so much out of Genesis 3, but specifically with need. So looking at that chunk of Genesis 3, we can see that our need is to know what God says. You see, in verse 2, Eve's response to the serpent proved that she had no idea exactly what God said. God did not say anything about touching the fruit. But she has claimed, God said, don't even touch it. See, this is a, a vital because I believe that we need to make sure we know Scripture, know what the Word of God says, because these, we get ourselves in this situation with Satan, the serpent, all the time, not knowing exactly what the Lord said, exactly what the Bible says. We find ourselves potentially even leveraging the Bible to, uh, against other people around us, or even leveraging it to be convinced of something that's actually not true if we don't know actually what the Bible says. And sometimes we can even convince ourselves that we don't need God and use Scripture to prove it, which is not true. We do need God. And number two is our desire to be like God. We've been talking about it this whole time, the idea that we want to be like God, but this is no different than when Eve was tempted of the world at the beginning. The serpent said, God knows that you're going to be like God, knowing good and evil if you take of the fruit. I don't know, it's pretty tempting to be God, isn't it? In my life, I know it's really tempting to be God, to want to be God. And that's no different then as it is now. We need to understand that we cannot be God. And the reality is, we need God. And I want to just quickly say that lastly, the consequences for the serpent this is awesome, right? God makes a beautiful declaration about future of salvation to come in verse 15. The man of a man of a woman will come and the serpent will try to kill that man. But the serpent will fail and the man will crush the serpent's head. 
This is beautiful because it shows how much we need God. In this very thing, we cannot do anything to save ourselves. This situation that now we are put in at Genesis 3, pretty quickly from the beginning, we were put in a situation where we there's nothing we can do about it outside of the Lord. So our need for God has just immensely increased at this point. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. And God in his mercy and grace proves that we not only need God, but he's going to provide in Genesis 15. We know that years later, Jesus comes being born of a virgin, born with no sin, being 100% God and 100% man, choosing to take up a death he did not deserve for me and you. And three days later, conquering that very death. Defeating the death that we deserve. We also know that we can have now eternal life through the God that created everything through his son. And then one day, Jesus will have the final say in crushing the serpent's head for good. This should be the most encouraging thing ever to understand that this is from the beginning of creation. God's desire to provide for our need in the points even at the which we need him the most. God's plan was there because he's all-knowing, all-powerful. In closing, even though we need God, we desire to be God from the beginning. Nothing is different today. The truth is, we cannot be God no matter how hard we try. Something you didn't, definitely, this normally comes into a reality and you start believing that when something happens in your life that you can't control. Like a death in the family, a car accident, fill in the blank. Those points are the reality when you feel you need God the most. But you need God for every part of your life to the point of what you're eating. Today, tomorrow, every day. But sometimes it's hard to remember that in our society. And again, we realize it the most when something we can't control happens. Sometimes we even get to the point where we say, why God? Why did this happen? Even though we've been trying to be God. I know that's happened to me. And I believe, this is in closing, I believe that God's response is not in a need when we ask that question. It's not in a need to provide proof of himself because I believe creation, his attributes, and what he's done through Jesus proves it all. And I often believe when we ask that question, in our time of need the most, God's response is the same response that he gives Job in chapter 38. When Job was needing God the most. Job 38, 19 through 32. Where is the way to the dwelling of light? And darkness, where is its place? That you may take it to its territory, that you know the paths to its home. Do you know it because you were born then? Or because the number of your days is great? 
Have you entered the treasury of snow or have you seen the treasury of hail? Which I have reserved in times of trouble for the day of battle and war. By what way is light diffused or the east wind scattered over the earth? Who has divided a channel for the overflowing water or path for the thunderbolt? To cause it to rain on a land where there is no one? a wilderness which there is no man, to satisfy the desolate waste or to cause to spring forth a growth of tender grass. Has the rain has the rain a father? Or who has begotten the drops of dew? Those whose womb comes the ice, the frost of heaven? Who gives, who gives it birth? The waters harden like stone, and the surface of the deep is frozen. Can you bind the clusters of Pleiades or loose the belt of Orion? Can you bring out Meseroth in its season, or can you guide the great bear with its cubs? That's God's answer to Job when he needed God the most and was asking questions. And I believe that is proof that God doesn't need proof to know who he is. He doesn't need to prove himself in miraculous ways because his creation proves it. His attributes prove who he is. And reality is our need for Jesus proves how much we need God and how much God needs nothing. Thank you so much for listening I pray it was encouraging.